do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job. With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and well, a dad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the pod. I've got Andrew Linder this week. He's got a book called Godly Parenting in an Ungodly World. This is an interesting guy. He is a devotee of fatherhood. He also has this system called the Four Seasons of Parenting, and that's mostly what we focus on. You know, uh, promise to plug his book, of course. He's got the godlyparent.com website. Uh, I found him on a site called the All Pro Dad, where he's got a bunch of blogs and just terrific stuff. But this conversation, there's a lot of talk about fathering as a calling. When you become a father, that's a calling in life. Now, I wasn't exactly called to be a father. Those of you who know me, if you've seen my stand-up act, you've heard me talk about on the air that my firstborn, my my oldest daughter, was unexpected but never unwanted. That's what I always say about her. I was 19 when she was born. This was not planned, but it wasn't long before I had that strong feeling that you know I'm really being called to fatherhood. So there's a lot of talk about this. It gets kind of spiritual, but I'll tell you what, there's some very helpful stuff in here for dads and really for any parent or caregiver. Terrific conversation. This is my conversation with Andrew Linder. Andrew, I'm so glad that you are doing this with me today, and I want to start the way I start with all my guests. Let's start with your most important credentials how many kids have you got? What have you got? How old are they? Tell us about your kids. Yeah, so I've got four kids. Uh, my wife and I uh, had our first son when we were just uh, five months into marriage. Uh, she got pregnant and uh, life changed for us drastically. So we have our oldest who uh, is 20 and our uh, we have three boys, one girl. Um, our daughter is uh, in the in between, okay. our oldest, and then our third. So <laughs> she's uh, 18. And then we also have a 15-year-old and our youngest that just turned 13 a week ago. Okay. So uh, the spreads the gamut, but, uh, man, they're awesome. We love our kids, and they're everything. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Now, I'm trying to do the math here. You said you, you were how far into your marriage when the first one arrived? Well, uh, my wife got pregnant when we were five months uh, married. I see. So, of okay. course, we wanted to wait a couple of years oh, uh, to have kids. Yeah, but have that time, know, just the two that, of you. Yeah, well, you know how that is, but that didn't happen. Well, my, a lot of my listeners already know my story. I became a father when I was 19. I went to college for one year. I majored in psychedelic drugs and got my girlfriend pregnant, and that's where I got my firstborn. So, but what I always tell people about her and what I've always told her was that she was unexpected, but never unwanted, and that made all the difference, you know. So, and yes. she's a she's a grown woman now, very successful. God bless her. She's got a PhD. I always say I blame the parents. So, <laughs> yes. so yes. Uh, now we we uh, are, I, I mentioned in your introduction, godlyparent.com. That's your website. I also saw a lot of your blogging on All Pro Dad, and I you have a terrific point of view. And I wanted to there's you've written so much, and I wanted to focus on this four stages of parenting. And that's not really for the parents, but the four stages, the different approaches for the kids depending on their age range. And I wanted to just kind of, if you could walk us through that. I know it starts from like birth to five years. How, how, how do you approach that? 
Well, the four seasons or stages of parenting are something that we've tried to implement in our own parenting over the years. And they're very uh, foundational to understand in order to, I believe, be successful in parenting. And I think many parents uh, probably inadvertently do them without knowing that they're doing them. And once you know they identify what they are, maybe it'll resonate that, hey, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes putting uh, a name to the season really makes a big difference. Right. And that first season is the, the discipline years from zero to five. Um, and the four seasons are the discipline years, zero to five, the training years, five to 12, the coaching years, 12 to 18, and then the friendship years, 18 and beyond. And, you know, it's kind of like a, um, like building a pyramid is the way I like to structure it. Okay. If you get that first season, right, which is the foundational season of (laughs) the discipline years, zero to five, uh, then you're actually setting yourself up for success in future seasons because that first season leads to success in the next and then so on. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a farming analogy is the way I like to use it, that you know farmers, they plant and they uh, nurture and they cultivate, right. and refine that seed, and ultimately to raise a harvest, uh, a crop. And, you know, oh, uh, boy. The, it's, a, it's a very um, good analogy because it helps us as parents recognize that there's a lot of things that we do that we can do and can control like a farmer. Sure. But there's a lot of things that we can't control, uh, that a farmer trusts God for like the seed and the soil and the sunshine and the The weather. Yeah. But uh, as parents, we do the best we can trusting God, uh, to be able to do what we can't always do. And that's bring forth the harvest that we hope that we'll get in the raising of our kids. And so the first season you were asking about that, that what I like to call the planting season, sure. Discipline years. And um, I identify two key things in each season that I think are helpful, the child's responsibility and the parent's greatest responsibility okay. and or need in those seasons. Right. So the child's greatest need in that discipline years is control. Um, they have to learn boundaries and sure. consequences and that there are consequences for our actions and you know they're not the ones in control. Uh, parents, <laughs> their responsibility is consistency. That's their greatest need in that first five years. Sure. I'm a firm believer that every child will go through um, a season or a battle for control with their parents. Of course. Actually, some kids are more compliant than others. I mean, you probably know. We have four kids, and one of them was the very strong-willed child. The willful child is always a challenge. You know, I wanted to jump in here and just mention, when you mentioned that farmer's analogy, and you said you have four children, the other thing that's great about that analogy is that every year the farmer has to be consistent with those practices. And, you know, the harvest isn't always the same. Like you mentioned, every kid is different, but you have to sort of approach it from the same basic way. Each time the new baby arrives, all right, here we go again, you know, with setting that foundation. And obviously that's zero to five, those control years. I mean, you're talking about very basic things too with little ones, you know, mm-hmm. don't touch something yes. that's hot and don't put your hand here. You know, it's really, uh, really important. It's so important. And oftentimes parents uh, fail to realize just how important it is to get this season right mm-hmm. to ensure future success in other seasons. Because sometimes I think parents, um, not on purpose, but they, they think that, you know, their children are these little angels and that, you know, they <laughs> see them as little angels who can do no wrong. 
Well, maybe the first one. I mean, did you look? Did you were you looking at that? Were you looking at the third and fourth one that way, or did you already get? You already figured like, well, we don't know what this one's going to be yet. Let's see what happens. You know, I mean, yes, the wisdom of years. The wisdom of years. Uh, You do learn after the first one or two for sure. Yeah, that things are different. But man, I tell you, those new parents, um, it can be so easy to want to give your child everything that you Mm -hmm. possibly can. You know, to bend over backwards to just love them. And yes, we should. But sometimes that love can be translated to permissiveness in areas where they actually need consistency um, of control and discipline uh, in a loving way. So I really believe that first season has the potential to set a parent up for future future success or failure. What I always tell parents is this, hey, be be your child's parent now so you can be your child's friend forever. And that starts at a young age yeah. to establish consistency and control that, Hey, mom and dad are the ones who get to call the shots. How do you um, feel about that? Think, oh. How do you feel about those first five years where when I see, I see younger parents, I see young parents or new parents in the supermarket reasoning with a two year old when they're still small enough, you can actually pick them up and put them where you want them to be. How do you feel about that? Cause I'm a big proponent of actually moving a toddler. If there's something that really important that needs to change. Yes, I would totally agree with that. And I think that uh, toddlers are in an age where they're fighting for control. Mm-hmm. And so parents must establish that control by allowing the child to understand, hey, I will enforce what I expect. Right. And I won't do it in a mean or a harsh or an unloving way. Right. But I will do it in a consistent fashion to where, yes, if I need to leave the department store with you to correct <laughs> you or if I need to move you to somewhere else, yeah. if I need to repeatedly tell you no, um, you know, kids are smart. And even especially that young age mm. is when we're in public settings, it's very hard because they do try the boundaries. So one of the ways to curb that is for parents to um, not expect in public what they haven't pra- practiced in private. Mm. And when we practice these principles of discipline and correction in private in a loving, consistent way, then it's a whole lot easier to enforce those in public. Yeah. So listen, I, I, let's move on to the next phase here, the next season which is 5 to 12. What do you call that one? So the 5 to 12 is the training years, or what I like to call the nurturing season, if you stick with the farming analogy. Sure. And the primary need of a child is understanding. In this season, uh, the primary responsibility for the parent is training. So you're shifting from um, having established the foundational, um, you know, control that's needed. And now you're helping your kids understand the why behind the what of your values and expectations with the ultimate goal of tapping into their heart and reaching the heart of the child. Because, you know, many parents focus only on the rules and they forget the relationship and that can be a dangerous thing. But ultimately, you know, for me as a Christian father, my ultimate motivation in helping my kids understand my values and my expectations is I want them to be motivated not by rules. I want them to be motivated by a love for Jesus and that they're living for him in everything that they do. And so, you know, that's going to be something that parents will interpret in their own sphere of parenting and how that fits into their worldview. But, you know, correction and consistency now need to be combined with explanation and training. So this is a season where you're establishing a child's worldview for life. Right. Not saying, hey, I've I've made you do these things. Now I'm going to actually show you why these things matter. Because sure. zero to five, they don't they don't really need to understand right. the reason behind yes. the rules. 
Exactly. But from 5 to 12, they do need to begin understanding the why behind the what. So I'm hearing a couple of things now that sound familiar. One is that it get it's getting already a little more complicated. I always joke with young dads, you know, you're going to look back at these sleepless nights and think, I wish it was still that simple. You know, I just had to get up in the middle of the night and change a diaper. Uh, and you also talk about something that's so important and so just so fundamental to being a father is uh, helping your kids to understand what your values are and helping them to establish those values. You know, whatever whatever those are for you, you mentioned you're Christian, whatever your religion is, or if you're agnostic, you want to share your values to be something that's consistent in the family and uh, hopefully, you know, set them on a path where they can still connect with you in that way. Yes, absolutely. And the ultimate goal of your parenting is you want to capture your child's heart. And you want them to give their heart to you. You know, one of the wisest men to ever live was Solomon, who said um, to his son, he said, my son, give me thine heart and let mm. thine eyes observe my ways. Right. In this season of 5 to 12, you have the opportunity to either capture or lose the heart of your child. And sadly, you don't actually see whether which one it is until the later on to know whether mm. you've really captured or lost your child's heart. So well and you're still where, building you're still building towards that final season that you mentioned as they get to be adults yes. and you get to be friends because if you share some of these fundamental things together, you're going it, to it's going to help you to have that connection their whole life. Absolutely. You know, you you want to have a relationship with your child forever. But that requires being their parent now. Right. And sometimes you're going to be the bad guy. Um, and you have to be okay with being the bad guy, knowing that's what you're called to do and to be if necessary. And I, I tell parents, you know, being the bad guy doesn't make you a bad parent. It makes you guilty of good parenting <laughs> when you choose to be the bad guy. Sure. And one of the greatest ways you can ever be what your children need you to be in this season is through your example. Mm -hmm. They are going to learn more from watching you than from anything else. And so that goes back to Solomon's words. He says, Man, I, I want you to give me your heart. Yep. And I want your eyes to observe my ways. So he says, basically, I want you to give me your heart. And here's how I'm going to make you want to give it to me. I'm going to give you my heart and my life as an example for you to follow. Mm -hmm. So I think he was very wise because more than our kids will become what we say, they will become who we are. Yeah. And our imitation is what they're going to follow. So, this comes up in every episode, this idea of modeling behavior, not just my own behavior. My kids are going to see how I love them, and they're also going to see how I love their mom. You know, and they're, right. they're going to, this is what they, this is how they learn to love. They learn to love from us. And uh, I agree with you when you use that word calling. We are called to be fathers. I know that, uh, you know, in a, it, using that word ministry, it's not always for somebody like me, I'm not active in a church, so it's not so much a ministry that I'm performing in a church family, but it, a ministry as a calling. My first one is to be a good husband and next to be a good father. And so those yeah. are the two primaries. And then everything else, you know, it's like I say in my talk, dad, like it's your job because it is your job. And when you go off to work, that's your side hustle. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you. This is my podcast. It's part of my work. It's not quite as important to me as when I actually see my kid later after school today. 
Yeah, I think that it's very important we recognize as dads that we need to be second shift dads who give 100% in our second shift at home, mm-hmm. uh, just like we do at work. And uh, it's not fair to our family to give less than that just because it's the end of the day or we're tired and our kids deserve our best. Our, our families deserve our best. And um, I really believe that you know this specific season of 5 to 12 has the potential to be the most fun season of all in your parenting. It can be. It's when the kids get into sports and you're running around. It can yes. be exhausting. You're, this is when you're chauffeuring them mostly. You're driving around all the different activities and showing up for all that stuff. Um, okay. Now let's talk about that third season, 13 to 18. Okay. This is the one that, you know, everybody talks about how difficult it is. Teenagers, oh my God, we all roll our eyes and, you know, we're tearing our hair out. So th- let's talk about that season. So the next season is the coaching season. The child's greatest need is guidance, where the parent's greatest responsibility is practice. They uh, now need for you to coach them from the sidelines to Mm. practically know how to put feet to their faith or their values or their... And it's not a not a less intentional time that some parents sometimes mistakenly think it's actually needs to be a very intentional time in a different way where you're nudging them towards the edge of the nest. And sometimes parents want to do everything for their child, just like they did in the younger years, right. but they actually cripple them because they don't prepare them for life just a few years down the road when they're going to be on their own. So they don't know how to do basic things like taking care of their own laundry or managing <laughs> a banking account or, you know, uh, yep. but this is an opportunity in this season to give them practice at these things like a good coach. No good coach would just train their kids how to play basketball or how to play football without ever letting them get on the field and right. squeak their shoes on the court, you know, or throw the ball. <laughs> um, so this is a season where you're, I like to use the illustration of letting go of the bike. You have guiding to. their kids by holding the back of the seat of the bike, mm-hmm. but you're going to let go. You got it. They don't always know you're letting go, right? Right. But, yeah, but they, you're going to let go anyway. Sometimes, and then yeah, they're yeah. fall. Sometimes, a lot of kids learn how to ride a bike. They got lied to. Uh, don't worry, I won't let you go. I won't <laughs> let you go. And then they're riding it on their own, you know. So, uh, you know, the other thing now, this it makes me think of the farming analogy too, because you get to a point where, as the crops are coming in, you have to continue to weed. So I look at teenagers and I try to set up these guardrails, you know, because my baby is seventeen, so I've been through this now four times. We set up those guardrails, but there are times where if he smashes into that guardrail, they got to reel him in a little bit. And I'll sit down with them. You know, uh, my older son in particular, there were a lot of times where uh, when he was in high school, uh, we would sit down and we would sort of regroup a little bit and then off he goes again. There's so much of that in this season where you're weeding out wrong influences and trying to instill right influences. And you're also giving guidance while at the same time letting go, which is hard. Um, But there's give and take. And what we found that to look like in our home was navigating this season through questions and conversations. And questions were huge where our kids knew they could come and ask us any question at any time about anything. Right. And this was our what we called our open door questions policy. Uh, they're going to have tons of questions and tons of issues. And that's normal. But when they do run into the guardrail, we want them to know they can come to us to ask the tough questions and that we will never look down upon them or demean them um, for asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is they're going to ask a lot of questions in those years and they will ask someone. They will. You want it to be you. That's exactly what I was saying. They will ask someone. 
And like we were talking about earlier, where you're trying to bestow your own values and worldview so that you can share that throughout your entire life. If they don't come to me or their mom, who knows what kind of answer they're going to get? Holy cow. It's scary to even think about it. So yeah, you want to try to keep those lines of communication open. Now, I know that like I have two that are really grown and flown, like over 30, you know, uh-huh. um, and I have a 22 year old and a 17 year old still at home. So let's talk about that final season, because we're getting into that with a 22 year old. I always joke about how that's a funny time to live with a kid because she's not a kid anymore. We're not going to ground her. She has her own money. I have this whole thing in my act i tell the story of the day that she pulled us into the kitchen her mom and i and said you guys i i you see this yogurt i put my initials on this yogurt because i i bought it with my own money and her mom laughed and said well i think dad and i are going to put our initials on all the other food in the fridge how would that be <laughs> so that's awesome yeah it was great it was great so she does put she'll she'll still put post-it notes on food sometimes because she knows if dad comes home late after a gig and uh she hasn't claimed food it'll be gone in the morning so uh <laughs> But yes. so this this is an it's an exciting time and the parenting I have found I'm still their dad because there are times they'll still turn to me. I'm talking about the grown the ones that are completely grown, but this is an amazing time. So yeah, so that last season is the friendship years, eighteen and beyond, uh, or the harvest season, where the greatest need for your child is independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be able to have the independence uh, that comes along with their age and hopefully their maturity. Uh, the greatest responsibility for the parent is support for you to support them sure. and to show that support. And of course, that's going to vary depending on whether the child is still in the home, outside of the home, you know, as to the balance of how much give and take there is there. Uh, but assuming that a child at 18 is on their own, then at that point, your main role is to recognize, hey, I've had 18 years to parent this child. Now it's their turn to be able to make those decisions mm. and build upon the foundation that I've given to them. In Proverbs, Solomon said, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And there are four seasons that we've talked about in parenting. And the fourth is the when he is old season, right? uh, which means as parents, we've been given three seasons to intentionally guide our child in the way that he should go. But the fourth season of when he is old is where we get to allow them to make those their own decisions and... uh, it's been a joy for us as parents personally to have two kids now in those older seasons right? Uh, or the harvest season. We've got an 18 and 20 year old, um, you know, they're both in college. We're actually here in Florida this week, uh, visiting them in college. It's been amazing to just see how they <laughs> are growing and taking the foundation we've given them, given them for life, yeah. building upon it by making their own decisions and managing their own money and developing their own relationships. And that's exciting to see. It's a transitional time, too, especially the ages you're describing. Like I said, my grown kids are over 30. I've gotten used to the idea that they're grown-ups. And one of the things about that transition that can be challenging for any father is I don't offer my grown kids any suggestions unless they specifically call me and say, Dad, I want your advice. What would you do? If they don't say those words to me, I listen and I let them know that, you know, I'm I'm so glad that you called me and let me in on this. I want you like I love hearing about your life. I, I want you. I always remind them, you know, I still think about you every day. You're in my prayers every night, just like from the time you were born. You know, I had to get used to the idea that like when they tell me that they have a problem, I said, well, this is what you should do. You got to do this. And, you know, because you know what? A guy that's 25 
30 years old, he doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> he may not call I, you as often if you're giving him that every time he calls up. That is so true. And, and that ties so well into this last season because my dad always used to tell me advice not asked for is not well received. Mm-hmm. And in this season of parenting, your children need you to support them even when you disagree with them. And what that looks like is exactly what you said, that there's going to be times where um, you may have opportunity to speak into their life because they allow it or they ask for it. Yeah. But most of the time, that's not your job anymore. Right. Your job, you're going to disagree with the way they parent your grandkids. You're going to disagree with them some of the decisions <laughs> they make about life and you know work and other things. But your job is not to parent them anymore. Right. Your job is, number one, to protect your relationship with them. And that means you're going to let go of your rules and you're going to hold tight to your relationship. Because I mean, you had 18 years to parent. They don't need you to parent them anymore. Yeah. You need to protect that relationship at all costs. Because I think you've probably seen what I've seen over the years. And that is parents who try to be a parent to their kids after they're out of the house or after they're in this season. And they actually lose their friendship with their adult children because they try to still be a parent to them when they're now in a season where they're supposed to enjoy their friendship with them and protect that friendship at all costs. Well, Andrew Linder, you sound like a wonderful dad. It sounds like a beautiful family that you're building, a beautiful life. And uh, that's what this podcast is all about, just focusing on our kids and what's really, really important. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. Absolutely. Glad to be on here and I appreciate the opportunity. See you, Chris. So there you go. Andrew Linder, author of Godly Parenting in an Ungodly World. His website is godlyparent.com. And, well, you heard him. Uh, The guy, like I said in the introduction, he's a devotee. And uh, I think that's the title of this episode, Called to Fatherhood. So amazing stuff. And I got to tell you, I'm having a ball doing this and meeting all these different dads and all their different approaches. It's absolutely wonderful for me. I hope it's as good for you as it is for me because I'll tell you something, I absolutely love it. And I appreciate you listening and I hope you subscribe and leave us a review and share it. Please share this with other dads. So, because one of the things I'm trying to do with this is encourage dads to talk, to be open about what fatherhood means to them and share with other dads. So, that does it for now. Thanks for listening. Tell your pals.